Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us Dr. Bobby Donaldson. Professor Donaldson is an Associate Professor of History at the University of South Carolina and leads the Center for Civil Rights History and Research housed in the Hollings Special Collections Library. He also serves as the lead scholar for Columbia SC 63, Our Story Matters, a documentary history initiative that chronicles the struggle for civil rights and social justice in Columbia. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here. Um, So tell us a little bit about what Columbia SC 63 is. So Columbia 63 uh, is a project that was envisioned by Mayor Steve Benjamin uh, in 2012. Mm-hmm. And the goal of that project initially was to chronicle events in Columbia, South Carolina in 1963. So we're, on the, we're marking the 50th anniversary of major events. And we were doing that in collaboration with uh, Selma, Montgomery, and Birmingham, Alabama, Jackson, Mississippi, Memphis, Tennessee, and Washington, D.C. Okay. And the goal was to connect events across these states in a critical window of time uh, during the Civil Rights Movement. Okay. Uh, the challenge we face in Columbia, South Carolina, is that we were not Jackson mm. or mm-hmm. Memphis or Selma or Montgomery or Birmingham, cities where there had been a great deal of work to document civil rights activities uh, in those communities. Mm-hmm. And so our task is really to think about what occurred here and then how we would go about confirming and researching that and also uh, identifying other events uh, in the city. Mm-hmm. And how did you originally get involved with the project? Well, uh, I had been working for some time on documentary projects in the city. Uh, I knew Mayor Steve Benjamin. Uh, We had worked on other neighborhoods of the city. And so when Columbia committed itself to this collaboration, he called me on board to to lead the research component of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Columbia 63 was really a collaboration between the city of Columbia, the University of South Carolina, uh, Historic Columbia, and what is now Experience Columbia. Because we understood that part of the goal was to identify places that might generate tourism uh, to the city of Columbia. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the reasons why you're here today with us is that we were also talking about the um, exhibit that we have here at the State Library that's running through the end of this month, which is March. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the exhibit and, and what, what it entails? Yes. So the exhibit is called Freedom Now, uh, Columbia's South Carolina and the American Civil Rights Movement. And this exhibit are photographs that were identified during the course of our planning and research that chronicle uh, key moments, key places, key individuals uh, in civil rights uh, in Columbia. Uh, Many of these images had not been seen prior uh, to our project. Uh, And so we were excited to make them available into the public. Some of the photographs uh, were part of a collection of Cecil Williams, photographer in Orangeburg. I think a lot of people know that name. Well, and some (laughs) of them had been printed in in Mr. Williams' book. Some were not. Okay. And as Cecil Williams and I had conversations, he said, well, I may have some negatives that may be of use to you. And so the moment he shared the negatives, we realized that these were indeed really important images of key moments in Columbia that were simply marked demonstration Mm. on the negative sleeve Mm -hmm. in his collection. So Mr. Williams was one source. Another source was the state newspaper. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the city of Columbia, we went and partnered with the state newspaper, and we were given permission to explore their vault. And their vault included thousands of negatives Mm. and prints. 
And with the timeline that we had created, we, uh, we had already uh, decided that although the focus was 63, mm-hmm. our job was to talk about the roots of civil rights mm-hmm. in Columbia mm-hmm. and also what transpired afterward. So we had a pretty extensive timeline dating us, taking us back to 1900. Mm-hmm. And so with that timeline, we started looking in the photographs of the state newspaper and identified hundreds of images of civil rights in Columbia and elsewhere that we uh, then digitized and reproduced uh, for our public exhibits. Uh, and finally, the last uh, source of images was the collection of a man named David Wallace. Hmm. Uh, And David Wallace was a very successful real estate developer uh, here in Columbia. Uh, And upon his passing, his daughter uh, came across boxes of negatives. Um, Many of them were phenomenal images of events in Columbia and elsewhere. Hmm. And so as part of the public displays we've done, you have really civil rights in Columbia seen through the eyes of three different sources. Mm-hmm. You have civil rights seen through the eyes of an African-American who lived in Orangeburg. You have them seen through the eyes of a successful white professional uh, in Columbia. Uh, and you also have the movements seen through the eyes of multiple photographers uh, for the state newspaper. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I know we've been promoting in our exhibit that we have right now is we're encouraging people to come in and try to help identify individuals in the images because not everyone is identified. Most people are not. Uh, and in part, what we realized that as we were doing 63, Columbia 63, mm-hmm. uh, we knew that um, we were not giving enough time to this project. We thought it would be a one-year project. Mm. And as we move forward, we quickly realize there's more to uncover. There's much more mm-hmm. to uncover. There are many more people to reach. Uh, and there are many persons in these images to be, to a bit, to, to be identified. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've now moved forward with research efforts to identify persons, to visit the historically black colleges and universities, to consult their yearbooks and their newspapers, mm-hmm. uh, and to have these exhibits mm-hmm. in the hope that someone will come through and say, wait a minute, I know where this is, or I know that person. And sure enough, over the last six years, that has happened pretty regularly. Oh, wow. Wow. It's, it really is amazing when you, you look at the images, and you know, it really takes you back to, to that time. And it, it, each one of the images tells its own story. They do. And, and that is precisely why we entitled the project Columbia SC 63, Our Story Matters, uh, in the hopes of helping to document that. But one cl- classic example is that we had a photograph that's on display here, and we've used it many times, mm-hmm. and it was at a Columbia City function, and a Columbia policeman sees an image and says, wait a minute, that's my mother. Oh, wow. His mother who's no longer deceased, he's no, no longer living, uh-huh. uh, and he had no idea wow. uh, that she was involved in anything of that sort in downtown Columbia. Isn't that something? Yeah. What other kinds of stories have, have you come across? Well, um, there's a very classic photograph we use of four young women mm-hmm. sitting at a lunch counter at the old, uh, the old um, Greyhound bus station mm-hmm. in Columbia on the corner of Blanding and Sumter Streets. Okay. Uh, we use it because it's a sort of iconic image. It is. I so, know exactly the one you're so talking So one day about. we uh, had that photograph on display at the Greenview Recreation Center here in Columbia. Mm-hmm. And... A lady walks by, and she walks by again, and she says, that's me. 
And so Martha Kelly, who was one of the four ladies, recognizes her face. And then a moment it kind of, and again, we're, we're, these are images from 50 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. So she has to almost kind of, right. kind of position herself to figure out what was going on and why might we, random people, mm-hmm. have a photograph of herself from the, that time period. Mm-hmm. So we explained who we were. She said, well, I believe that was at the Woolworths. Uh, we learned later it was at the Greyhound bus station. Mm-hmm. And she identified all the ladies next to her. Oh, wow. Who were her classmates from a Benedict College. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been the interaction you've had with uh, historically black colleges and universities in the area? Because we've got Benedict, we've mm-hmm. got Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been able to get uh, any input? Or? Absolutely. I, we, we would not have any success with the project mm-hmm. without that. Um, and so from the day one, we were very intentional on working closely with the faculty and students at both schools mm-hmm. and at South Carolina State and at Claflin. Uh, we've actually employed research interns from uh, cl- uh, from B- Benedict and Allen. We've had exhibits on both campuses. Okay. Uh, we've had public programming on both campuses. Uh, so in addition to exhibits, we do a lot of public engagements and bringing in speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've had reunions of student activists on the campus of Benedict College. We've gone to the class reunions at Allen University mm. uh, and had had these photographs on display. Mm-hmm. What about other locations? Um, anywhere else in Columbia that you've had the exhibit? We've had the exhibit at the uh, TAPS okay. Art Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had the exhibit at the Nickelodeon Theater. Mm-hmm. We've had the exhibit in the windows of, the, of Mass General. We've had the exhibit at Zion Baptist Church. We've had the exhibit at First Calvary Baptist Church. Uh, we've had the exhibit at 701 Whaley. Uh, we've had the exhibit um, at many of the recreation centers. And on a regular basis, we have what is called a pop-up exhibit hmm. uh, at schools. Uh, and we've been in schools across the state of South Carolina over the last six years. If a group or organization wanted to host uh, the exhibit, should they just go to the website and get in touch with you all? Sure. If you, so if you go to ColumbiaSC63.com, uh, you will have the contact information there, uh, but you'll also see some other elements that are important. Uh, so Columbia 63 also devised a walking tour mm-hmm. of Main Street. Okay. And there are historic markers all along Main Street it, it, it indicating sites of civil rights interest. Mm-hmm. And so on our website, you can take a virtual tour of Main Street, and you can also see some of the photographs mm-hmm. uh, and provide any identifications that you can on the website as well. Okay. Um, one of the things that I usually like to ask, uh, since this is Library Voices SC, is uh, what kind of any interesting library-related stories maybe do you have uh, working with libraries in South Carolina? Well, um, I'm excited when I have a chance to partner with teachers and librarians mm-hmm. because the world of libraries have enabled this project in many respects. So. Uh, we're now able to uh, provide context for the photographs because we've worked with the Richland Library or the South Carolina Library mm-hmm. to explore their resources, mm-hmm. to look at city directories, mm-hmm. to look at digitized newspapers, to read manuscript collections, to consult other photographs. Uh, the University of South Carolina's uh, South Carolina Political Collections mm-hmm. has the papers of Reverend Adi Quincy Newman, mm-hmm. who was an adult advisor too many of the students involved in protests. And so we're able to consult those collections 
to amplify what we see in the photographs. Mm. Uh, and similarly, um, the libraries are helpful to us because they yet become one more place to showcase information. Mm -hmm. And so we've actually done a number of partnerships with Richland Library over the span of the past six years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as we're talking, the, one of the things that's coming into my head is that, you know, the protest is still alive. Yes. Um, not necessarily what it used to be, but it's kind of a different protest. And we tend to, you know, it's kind of like the more things change, the more they stay the same, you know? Well, and it's curious <laughs> because uh, so some, some listeners may remember the Occupy movement mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. people were sitting in on the grounds of the State House. Yep. What many people may not know is that the legal, the legal resolution of that incident dated back to the civil rights period. Mm -hmm. So the, defend, the, the lawyers for the occupiers mm -hmm. use a case called Edwards versus South Carolina. Mm. And that case stemmed from an event in Columbia in 1961 mm. when 188 students were arrested for occupying the State House. Okay. And those students who were arrested and convicted are ultimately exonerated. Mm -hmm. The United States Supreme Court overturns their conviction in an 8-to-1 ruling in 1963. Hmm. So there is a marker on the Main Street that chronicles that event and that highlights its legal groundwork in future civil rights cases all around the country. And we're fortunate because of Cecil Williams and others, we have some amazing photographs mm -hmm. of these young people marching across the grounds of the State House, uh, including young people uh, like a woman named Leola Simpson, who is now a member of the General Assembly, or a young student from South Carolina State who was arrested and convicted named James Clyburn, who is now <laughs> I think we've heard the majority whip uh -huh. of, of Congress. <laughs> uh, and so it's been amazing to, to use these images to connect with that generation of persons who clearly were involved, but who have not received the recognition mm -hmm. uh, that they, are, they, they deserve. Mm -hmm. um, if someone goes to ColumbiaSC63.com, and by the way, we will have that link on our entry on our Library Voices website, what, what kinds of photos or images or things will they see there? So you will see photographs of meetings of the NACP. Uh, you will see photographs of protests at the, at the State House. You will see photographs of young people uh, standing proudly in lines at local drugstores and department stores. Uh, you will see uh, the photograph of a man named George Elmore, who was a local grocery store owner in the 1940s, who sued the all-white Democratic Party and won. Mm. Uh, you will see a photograph of a 19-year-old woman named Sarah Mae Fleming, who uh, in 1954 challenged the all-white, challenged segregation on public buses, and she challenges segregation on buses 17 months before Rosa Parks. Mm. And Rosa Parks' attorneys used the case in Columbia oh, okay. uh, as part of their legal uh, argument. And I should say, too, you were asking me about libraries. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's ironic and actually it's fortunate that the Freedom Now exhibit is up at the very same time as another exhibit called Justice for All, Mm. which is housed in the Ernest F. Hollings Library. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because the images housed in the State Library are photographs. Mm -hmm. Much of what's housed in the Hollings Library at the same time are letters, okay. are newspaper articles that show the planning behind 
many of the images which are on display here at the State Library. Okay, so uh, people who are interested can walk all the way from Hollings over to the State Library and get a taste of both. And see the horseshoe <laughs> of the University of South Carolina o- along the way. That's right, that's great. Um, This reminds me to bring up the fact that so much of what we're talking about, these are all primary resource documents. And I think a lot of educators and librarians always love to hear the phrase primary resource because, you know, when they're working on their curricula, um, they want to include primary resources. And so can you talk a little bit about the importance of these as as primary resources? That's a great question. And, And from day one, the Columbia 63 Project and the New Center for Civil Rights History at the University of South Carolina, we've worked very closely with teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've taken the social, social studies standards. Uh, we've aligned our primary source material uh, with those standards. And uh, in 2017, we did a week-long uh, teacher workshop uh, sponsored by the National Park Service. Wow. And that was for teachers around South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last summer, we had a partnership with the Department of Geography okay. at the university where we had a weekend series of workshops on mapping mm. civil rights sites in uh, South Carolina, both civil rights sites and African-American sites. Uh, and one can now go to our uh, website for the Civil Rights Center, and you can see lesson plans that were created by teachers okay. utilizing those primary sources housed in our libraries. Wow. And uh, having a bachelor's degree in geography, I'm fascinated by that. In fact, we've had... Um, uh, on uh, this podcast before uh, Don Dawson House, who has worked on the Green Book for South well, Carolina. Well, Don Dawson House and our colleagues okay. on the African American Heritage Commission. Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, it's amazing all these resources that are available, and hopefully we're able to help people uh, find out about them uh, through these conversations. Um, as we wrap up, I want to kind of ask, what next big project is there for you and Columbia SC63 as we look forward in the coming months? Well, well, we'll continue to place waysides across the city, uh, marking sites. Uh, we're hoping to uh, unveil a marker uh, near the C.A. Johnson High School in Columbia okay. uh, on a site where Malcolm X spoke in Columbia wow. uh, in 1963. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was scheduled to speak at the Township Auditorium, and the day before he scheduled to speak, they realized who he is. Uh. And there, was a, there was a scathing editorial in the state newspaper. Oh, wow. And so his contract is canceled. But he does speak mm-hmm. at a very small mosque uh, near C.A. Johnson High School, which is no longer standing. Mm-hmm. And we plan to put a marker there. Uh, we plan to put markers uh, near the township auditorium uh, to mark the site of a, a great meeting in 1946 uh, called the Southern Negro Youth Congress, where students from around the country and the world meet to to plan a civil rights strategy in the Mm -hmm. mid-1940s. We are also working with One Columbia uh, in the city uh, to to erect a a public art piece Mm -hmm. in front of the Nickelodeon Theater. Mm. And we've commissioned a sculptor out of Savannah who's now working on a piece uh, that will be installed at some point uh, in late spring Mm -hmm. uh, in front of the Nickelodeon Theater. Okay, wow, that's... You certainly are busy. <laughs> we, we stay busy. As I said, there's much to uncover and, and, and much to document. Yeah, well, it's certainly a, a wonderful project, and I definitely encourage folks to visit the ColumbiaSC63.com website, and uh, feel free to go to our uh, website for more information. So thank you so much for being with us well, today. Well, thanks very much for the time. 
And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. Until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>